Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective. We are sitting out in a lovely afternoon, not terribly warm, not too sunny, uh, in beautiful New London, Connecticut. The Lisbon of, well, no, the Lisbon of Connecticut is Lisbon. And the Lebanon of Connecticut is Lebanon. Lebanon. The Portugal of Connecticut. So how are you guys doing? Doing all right, doing well. Well, so before we get started, I just want to brag for a moment about the power to do good that the Bill Bradley Collective has. Here, here. Last week, I ranted about the Troy, Pennsylvania book ban, where there were 100 books banned, and all of them were by people of color. An all-white Pennsylvania school board this week voted to rescind its ban on books having to do with race and social issues after students protested the decision and a local podcast cast aspersions on them. The last part I just assumed. Like it was, it, was, <laughs> it, it, it went without saying. Yeah. Right. And um, our 14 to 16 demo is killing it. Yeah. Right so now. the, right. Especially, you, especially you in know, mid Pennsylvania. Yeah. Our, the, the, the kids love us. And I think that that's because we're kid friendly, but we have an edge. You know, it's a good, de- it's pop- a good demo. We only dropped three or four curse bombs. In yeah, episode. we're respectful, but we cuss. So they're, 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 and, and not to mention our TikTok dances. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, our TikTok, our TikTok game is getting better. Uh, Stanley, the dog of the the I mean, a, Collective, is has been a star. <laughs> so this came through in October. Last October, they voted to ban it, and I just mentioned this because this is we really need to find these eleven people. And play Trivial Pursuits against them. Because we're in $75 million. Because they keep saying, like, they got, they recognized that the the attack from people such as us was more than they could stand. <laughs> so what they said is board president Jane Johnson. Jane Johnson's white, if you didn't get it from the all white thing, plus the name, which is the whitest name anyone's ever had. Um, oh, Last name Johnson. A lot of Johnsons no, no, in the yeah, NFL, and they are yeah, white. Yeah, but there's no Jane Johnson. There's no Jane uh, um, Said that the ban was only meant to be a freeze on the books. It was never meant to be permanent. She went on to claim that the ban had been meaning to quickly review the books, but acknowledged it didn't happen. It's taken far too long because it involves reading. She didn't say it because it involves reading part. <laughs> and... Everyone had the same take. Like, oh, no, we were, this was just a review. We were just putting on pause. Like, when we pulled all the books out of the library, it was just so we could look at them again. Even though everyone kept saying, could you put them back? And we said, no, we'll never do that. When I shot you in the head, I just wanted to simply a better look at your brain. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> former York School District 1 board member Maria Domino called the board statement very, very sneaky. Which, congratulations on the understatement of the year, um, Marie Domino, and you're welcome to come on our show and to congratulate us for ruining this goddamn book ban. But I just wanted to say the power to do good by the most important outdoor sports political niche podcast in America continues I, unabated. I would dare say hell hath no fury like the Bill Bradley Collective. <laughs> <laughs> like a Bill Bradley scorned. <laughs> yeah, we need to call him. All right. Um, so how you doing, Andrew? I'm doing very well, sir. I'm on, I, I don't have to work next week. 
going to play golf a bunch. I'm looking forward to it. And it's been a long year. You're wearing a Riders Cup shirt, and the American teams, and this will come up Tuesday, so this may seem tragic in the interim, but uh, <laughs> at the in the moment, but like the American team's doing quite well. They're kicking ass right now. It's gotten a little competitive in the afternoon Saturday, but they they're huge favorites to win. It'll be a huge choke if they lose at this point. That is outstanding. So I have a question <laughs> to ask you, America. Uh, have you seen the um the the four part special on the eighty six bet yet? I have. Great. Oh, because, so you'll probably get this. In game six of the 86 uh, series, the Mets came back three times. They were down two in the fifth, once in the eighth, and two in the tenth. Because in the tenth, Red second home run, and Vin Scully said after the home run, it is so quiet in New York, you could almost hear Boston. I, I did some thinking about this. The best play-by-play people who've ever lived Summerall is it in football. Marv Albert's it in basketball. Doc Emmerich's it in hockey. Lampley's it in boxing. None of them hold the candle to Vince Scully, the greatest sports announcer who's ever lived. But who hit the home run? Oh, I thought you had this one. I believe he also hit a key home run in the the, the, uh, divisional playoffs as well. Dave Henderson? It is Dave Henderson. Congratulations. Ding, ding. Is Dave Henderson alive or dead? Dead. You are correct, sir. I was yeah. like, 86, he's got to be alive. That, but he wouldn't ask it if he if he was alive. No, no, there's, only, no, there's only three There's only three people who, who played in that game who were dead. Three people that played in that game who were dead. Wow. The most famous player in the game is dead. And one of the Hall of Famers who played in that game. So Gary Carter's dead. Gary Carter's dead. Yeah. Um, Gary Carter's oh, dead. Fuck. Oil Cam Boyd. No, not. Um, no, not. not Oil uh, Cam. Oil Cam Boyd. Because oh no, that was Roger Barrett that had that disease where you can't move. Uh, Oil Cam Boyd's still alive. I checked. Who? Who are the other two? I don't even want to waste. We don't want to waste well, time. Think, Bill Buckner's dead. Buckner's dead. Oh, that's yeah. the most famous player. Hall right. of Famers Carter, and the third is Dave uh, Henderson. Dave Henderson. Yeah, right. There you go. All Congratulations. Right. So yeah, you can, you added one in there. So you already no, got no, one. No, who's, no, real quickly. Ninety LCS. Who gives up the home run? Oh, I'm sorry, a Red Sox that gives up a home run to an A that like killed himself after. It was Calvin. No, it was an Angel that gave up a home run to the Red Sox. And who was who was it? It was uh, Moore, I think. Davey, Donnie Moore. Donnie. Davey Moore. Donnie Moore. Is, da- we'll, we'll check it. But his last name was. But Moore. he like. Yes, giving he, up that home run, like not like, that year, but the following year, he killed we're himself. Going we're not going to check right. it. The, yeah. the, the listeners can check it. Regard, yeah. um, anyway, regardless, Google it and tweet us. Under the rules of this game, I got I now. Know. Now Zach and I have to go to edible arrangements on our way to the draft choice. One of our sponsors, on behalf to, of Dave to, uh, to to get to send an edible arrangement to Dave, Dave Henderson. It's not on my tab this I'm week, boys. Yeah. I don't trust that edible arrangement. It's not a front. <laughs> Agreed. You, you don't. You don't think you could actually make. Who is sending people this much fruit? <laughs> that shit doesn't last very long. Like no, you got to eat it all like that day or the next day. Yeah, it's a front. Pineapple on a stick. It's just the stupidest fucking thing. How you doing, Zach? I'm doing all right. Living large. You know, it's a it's a gorgeous day. Glad to be joined by all of you. So, here's a question for you. There were a couple of rock and roll hall of famers. Who have made the, who have been on The Simpsons? One of them was on twice, once as Lionel Hutt's AA sponsor, and once because he presented the B Sharps with their Grammy. David Crosby. 
Wow, I got to make my questions harder. There you go. That's right. I didn't yeah, even... Zach. Right, because I was going to do the Melissa Etheridge surrogacy as a hint, but then that would have that, that would have well that kid died. That would have made it harder for me to that, guess. And that kid died, and I, so it made me feel terrible. Yeah, no, Dave, David, so, David Crosby is uh, Lionel Hutch calls him like whimpering, and David Crosby, <laughs> and he also presents the B sharps. Yeah, that's David Crosby is like a well well Simpson guest. Uh, that, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised I got that one. So what will you be ranting about? And then I'll go ask Andrew because I forgot. <laughs> 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 I will be ranting about uh, the West Virginia governor, Jim Justice, and his desire to coach high school basketball. And the reason you forgot, Ed, is because I'm going to talk about your, to this point, fantasy basketball stalwart, one Andrew Wiggins, and how, guess what? I'm not sure it's going to be a good decision to draft him this year. Um, I'm going to explain why. I, so, uh, the first time I played, I was offered a second round. I was offered a trade for Andrew Wiggins that would have cost me, I don't know. It wasn't Kevin Durant, but somebody like that. And I really thought about it. I just, I'm an Andrew Wiggins stand. I don't know nothing I can do about it. Uh, but he's an anti-vaxxer, so let him die. To each their own. Uh, Ed, what are you going to be writing about today? So I am going to be talking about America's favorite crypt keeper, Nate Silver and 538 and what it must be like to have a business where you never have to be correct. Holy shit, he does look like the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. That would come out of- <laughs> Why isn't that show on Netflix or like HBO? Or- that show is so hard to find. Tales from right. the Crypt was great. I, my guess is Nate Silver owns every episode. Fuck, <laughs> fuck that guy. It'll be Arizona by five. <laughs> and with Fade that- Arizona. <laughs> and with that. And no, does that- it- it- Andrew's got it. Uh, you just let us Main topic review. I didn't like Get excited. Oh, yeah. In our main topic, <laughs> in our main topic today, we are going to touch on the uh, very timely current uh, matter of the debt ceiling, kind of the history, what it means, how it's uh, covered in the media, and how one party may kind of just use it as a weapon against the other and against you know working people. It's all here on the Bill Bradley Collective. Passing through the intersection of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Andrew, Ed, and Zach. So, this week there was a story that I found. I don't really know how I found it because it's kind of this weird localized story, but I think it was probably Twitter. Um, The governor of the state of West Virginia, Jim Justice who some may remember as being the Democrat who switched over to Republican uh, because of Trump. He has since won re-election. He basically looks like a deflated basketball, um, but, like, before it deflates fully, it, he's a part-time businessman. He's just an awful kind of person, and he's governor of West Virginia. He decided this week uh, to bow out of the coaching job at Greenbrier East High School uh, in West Virginia, he already coaches the girls' basketball team, and he was trying to coach the boys' basketball team as well. The school board voted him down 3-2 to two without comment. I assume their thoughts were, you're the governor of a state. You probably shouldn't be coaching basketball, high school basketball. But they, they made no comment, so we don't know. The governor uh, then filed a grievance about this and then responded with a letter the next day where he uh, formally withdrew, where he said, 
He believes he was the most qualified for the job. Nevertheless, I am withdrawing my name from pursuing the head boys basketball coach position. I refuse to spend my time fighting hate. Hate all capitalized. Uh, He then went on to say that I understand many of my players and supporters were at the board meeting a few days ago. Additionally, I received hundreds of calls from people in total disbelief and apologetic over the board's vile actions. These are just like local schmucks from Greenbrier County. And the governor of the state is saying they're full of hate and vile. My thing is, what the fuck is going on in West Virginia that the governor of the state has the time to coach multiple high school basketball teams? Like, there are former mining state that's dying economically. Maybe it makes sense why Joe Manchin is from there. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, given that they're West Virginia's number one now in job creation, number one in education, number one in per capita income, number one in vaccination rate, he could probably kick back and, and coach basketball. My first thought when I saw this is I was deeply disturbed by how much he wanted to be around teenage boys. It just seemed like I'm not I'm not passing judgment, but he can't possibly have been the most qualified candidate. Like I bet you there's a guy who's actively coaching now who wants to do that job. And B, it just was this it was strange by his standards. And he is both a monster and a moron. Yes. I always thought like the vast majority of like high school varsity coaches had some like affiliation to the high school. Like it was like a math te- like the Waterford High football coach when I was there was like a geometry teacher who like was like all state in football, you know, 25 years before, um, you know, the, 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 now the governor's coming in to coach basketball. It's just very odd. You mentioned, you said Greenbrier. This is like, I, and I don't know what the whole county's like, but Greenbrier, there's a famous golf resort in West Virginia called Greenbrier. Like it's, it, it had a PGA tour event recently. It, it hosted a Ryder cup like 40 years ago. I imagine yeah. the governor's only like going to coach at a this very fish out of water on West Virginia like place like Greenbrier. Yeah, I J- feel like Jim Justice is the groundskeeper at that golf course. <laughs> the superintendent. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting gophers. Yeah, right. But yeah, it, it just struck it's, me as one of the bizarre. oddest stories where just looking to go, what a bizarre weird country we live in where this like part-time businessman, part-time governor, part-time High school basketball coach is in one of, like, the most important electoral states in our country. That's a hell of a bingo card for, like, a person to have all those things. That's, uh... <laughs> you, you wonder what job he has in mind where this will help his resume. You were both a governor and a basketball coach. Well, that's amazing because, you know, we have a job that's perfect for you. What the hell would it be? Do they have any D1-level players at that, at that school, though? That's uh, the question. Are they, are they good? No, no, but when when he used to coach the bas- the boys' basketball team and resigned his first year as governor because he became governor and was replaced by former basketball player Bimbo Coles. Get the fuck out of here. I remember Seriously? Bimbo Coles. Yeah, yes. he was Bimbo Coles. He was a player. So now Jim Jim Justice is trying to replace Bimbo Coles. <sighs> Jesus Christ. I'd say, I'd say he's going for the AD That's job. Talking about <laughs> downgrade. Oh, there you go, AD. <clears throat> so we're, we are... We're like a month removed from really uh, maybe the most busiest time of like the sports calendar. Mid late October, you're gonna have like the NFL and college football ready for their stretch regular season runs. Zach, do you know that preseason hockey starts 
like tomorrow. The Islanders and Rangers play, or like this week. Yeah, hockey. Hockey like always here. starts in warm weather and it's ends so in weird. warm weather. It's the weirdest. We're going to be in the hockey season in a couple of weeks. Um, baseball playoffs <laughs> are going to be upon us, and you're going to have all four major sports: football, hockey, baseball, and basketball. The NBA. Uh, by mid to late October, we'll all be in action. And that's kind of where the NBA is where I want to focus my attention this week. Um, the NBA has made has made great effort to make sure that referees and coaches, and in the, there's a vaccine mandate this season. Uh, now, the Players Association, there is no mandate for players to be vaccinated. The NBA, NBA PA pushed back and said that's not happening. It's not happening. But you have these unique cases where you have like the city of San Francisco and the city of New York where... If you're not vaccinated, you can't like you can't play here, and that's two. There's two players that this week it came out. Uh, one it would be Kyrie Irving, where shocked. Could you imagine like <laughs> Kyrie Irving? So Kyrie Irving can't play in 41 home games, nor can he play in San Francisco, where the Golden State Warriors play. And one of their, I mean, I guess he's like one of their top players. He was okay last year. I think he sucks. But one Andrew Wiggins, uh, who this week. Former number one pick overall, huge bust um, by and large. He protested. He tried to get, um, uh, what's the word? He tried to be. Get an exemption. An exem- uh, religious, uh, on, religious. On, 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 <laughs> a religious exemption for getting vaccinated. The NBA said no. And San Francisco has a mandate where, like, if you're going to play, if you're going to be in this arena, you're, you have to be vaccinated. city of San Francisco said no as well. Oh, that's what I'm San Francisco. That's yeah. where Wiggins plays. Right, no, he has and, an Oxford exemption from them as well. And also, I believe the city down. of New Orleans they also has that. the same. Yep. We discussed that a couple weeks ago. And also, the religious exemption kind of goes out the window when you started the vaccine process by saying, I'm not getting it unless I'm forced to. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... What, I'm proud to say the New York Knicks are fully vaccinated. That is public knowledge. To Andrew Wiggins, I would say this. This is a guy who's never in his life met a shot that he didn't like, met a shot that he wouldn't take until a COVID-19 vaccination shot, which he won't take. <laughs> it would have been the highest efficiency shot of his entire career. Honestly, what's he doing? I will stand for the anti-vaxxer hate because I really think that this is just thinning the herd. But Andrew Wiggins is a fixture on my fantasy basketball teams because I believe... There will be a year where he just has it. And he actually last year. Especially of his career. Last year, he was legitimately good. He played good defense, not great defense, but he was, a, he was a net positive defensive player. He averaged 30 fantasy points a game. He helped out all over the place. I think he's figured it out. I mean, the fact that he isn't what everyone dreamt he would be doesn't mean he's garbage. It just means he isn't what everyone dreamt he would be, um, but if he doesn't get vaccinated, then none of it matters. He's going to uh, play 41 games or 39 games. He's not going to play in Brooklyn or MSG. Or in New Orleans. Or in New Orleans. No, 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 He's going to play 38 games. They don't get paid if they don't play. What if we discovered about work employee ma- employer mandates? Everyone goes. Everyone takes them. You know, I, I, I have a saying when I was representing people, everyone's a hero until they don't get a paycheck. And then when they don't get a paycheck, it's no longer I'm right. It's like, hey, can you make a deal? Because they need the paycheck. Uh, Andrew Wiggins will not miss a paycheck. That will be a big paycheck. It's a guy with nine figures that he's already made as a pro, which is crazy. I actually disagree. I think he's not going to get it. 
I think he'll just accept it and he'll try to for, like. What is he gonna? Is he gonna get arrested if he shows up in the arena and and close on Vax? Like, what's the yeah? Pen, what, 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 yes. Yes. I mean, yeah, they, he'll, he'll be arrested. Kerr and Myers, they'll just say, "Yeah, you you can't come." Like you, <laughs> they, they won't let him in. And his teammates aren't gonna want him around. Like that's a team with an actual culture. Dreaming, yeah. Dreaming Green's want to, gonna knock this do, fucking guy out. Do you want like, to explain to Desmond Green? Yeah, I don't care if you get sick. Like Desmond Green will kill you in your yeah, sleep. It's, it's. I just think Wiggins will hold out. I just, I think he's one of, the, and I think Kyrie will hold out too. I mean, Kyrie is out there saging arenas. Like I, he's a weird I, dude. I didn't say Kyrie. But we all agree, Kyrie. I said Wiggins. I will bet twenty bucks right now that Wiggins is is able to play game one. I'll take that bet. Me and Zach will split the action on, on Zach's we'll side. <laughs> All right. So I am here to talk about America's favorite polling expert and Mr. Burns lookalike, Nate Silver, who uh, runs 538. You can't drop that line when I'm taking a sip. <laughs> so my love of 538 is that they take credit when they're right, but when they're wrong, they explain that the polls were off, that they just aggregate, which, by the way, I can do. I can look at all the polls and say, oh, it looks about 11%, and then it's 8%, and I was right, I still won, and I'd be right about as often as 538 has been recently. In the gubernatorial race, 538 had Newsom winning by uh, about six points, uh, 16 points, and he won by 27. So they missed by 11. That's outside the margin of error. Right. And they said, you know, well, the problem is that a lot of these polls overcorrected because they expected more a higher Republican turnout, and they overcorrected for this. And, quote, as you've noticed directly, it's hard to predict the direction – of polling errors because their movement is inconsistent from year to year. Something to remember in 2022 and 2024. Your fucking job is to predict polling errors. That's your job. That's why the website exists. Nate Silver is still living off of 2008 and 2012 because he got 99 out of 100 in those two years, electoral college, Predictions correct. And you know what? Good for you. I used to read them back then. In 2012, the leading receivers in the NFL were Calvin Johnson and Andre Johnson. And Andre Johnson. I do not have either of them on my fantasy football teams, and neither do you. Because 2012 was a very long time ago, and no one cares what you did in 2012. Today is today. <laughs> Nate Silver is the Andre Johnson of of today, except he looks like Mr. Burns. 538 has done one thing correctly in the last decade. They hired Chris Herring, one of the best basketball writers in the country, and then they lost him to Sports Illustrated, a dying whale of a magazine. Chris Herring looked and said, you know, uh, this ship's fine, but that Titanic, I know it's going down, but like, it's got to be better than this shit. And jumped on the Titanic. Nate Silver, why are we still listening to this guy? It drives me out of my mind. By the way, a prediction, one of my people for the worst people uh, in uh, 
in politics this year. Imagine moving from an online website to a magazine in 2021. <laughs> yeah, the amount you have to just hate your job to move to a magazine in 2021, which really, I, I'm pretty sure the only place that has Sports Illustrated is doctor's offices at this point. Mm. It's the only yeah. place I've like seen it, one. Yeah, it's <laughs> like sport, Sports yep. Illustrated and those, the, what, the uh, uh, Reader's Digest the, things. The, the attorney downstairs at AFT Gets Sports Illustrated and leaves it in, in the waiting room. Um, he's 86 years old. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 Nate Silver, you know, and, you know, during the presidential election in 2020, you know, he ended up being more right than wrong in the states. Well, by a lot, he missed by a lot of margins, but he, he was more right than wrong. He called Arizona, but he called Arizona like five points for Biden. Biden wins by, you know, a percentage. Well, where he was wrong was in these Senate races. We were supposed to have like a 55-45 Democratic Senate, and instead it's 50-50, and everyone and he just goes, well, Maine is tough to poll. That's your job. And, and, and he said he wasn't wrong. The polls were wrong. All he does is aggregate the polls. Well, that's not a fucking job. A aggregators are very useful and instructive. Aggregators. Uh, you look at, again, you know, sports betting. Let's say, and there's sites out there that'll have an NFL game, and they'll have like 12 or 15 whatever of like sort of quant analytical models, and they'll have what each model predicts for the game. And they present these uh, projected outcomes without commentary. What 538 does is that it gives you all of these polls with commentary. And when when they're right, they're, it's because of how robust their, their research, how thorough their how algorithm was, is. Their algorithm is. When they're wrong, it's because, like you said, Oh, polling miscues, polling miscues. Bullshit. You're either in the aggregation business or you're in the opinion business. And 538 uh, jumped the shark years ago. And again, this is just another, you know, they are, they, 538 was a kind of a, it was a big deal 10 years ago. And Wait. it is every, I think every year since it has just, it just went from gotten. The, it went from the New York Times to, like to, ABC, to, to ESPN, ESPN yep. to being on its own. Own. It's, it's like dead. going from Random House to self-publishing. Uh, and with that, in my best Nate uh, Silver predicting business, we will be back in an hour and a half to talk about the debt ceiling, or sometime within an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about the debt ceiling, cryptocurrency, and why Newt Gingrich is the worst human being who ever lived. Do you enjoy Pokemon Go, but wish you could also keep up with the times? Try Politic Go, the game where you can find and catch rich people and evolve them into senators and congresspeople. Paul Ryan, I choose you. Use white privilege. It's super effective. You can even catch actually decent human beings and try to change the world. My Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is evolving into a Bernie Sanders. You can even battle against your friends' politicians. Einstein, use loaded question. <laughs> Betsy DeVos uses dumb. Vouchers. It's super effective. Jeff Sessions, use memory loss. I do not recall. Politic Go, because the world is a fucking joke. So the two most Googled things on, on the internet because of interest are one, pornography, and two, the debt ceiling. Because both, they're similar in that they're both about Americans getting fucked. And <laughs> here's how the debt ceiling works. And it's insane. The Congress votes on spending measures, 
And those measures either get approved or denied. And if approved, of course, then you have to spend the money you committed to spending. But then at some point, they say, well, wait a second, that's going to put us in too much debt if we pay the bills that we already agreed to pay. So we're not going to do that. We're just going to say, no, we won't pay those bills. And that way we'll cut spending. But the money's already been spent. It is an insane way to do business. It's like if you ate dinner, you went out to a restaurant, and then after the dinner, you negotiated with the restaurant about whether or not you would pay the bill. Well, of course you're going to pay the bill. You ate the bill. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like it's like having a credit card and spending all the money on the credit card, and then when they go, hey, you have to pay us, you go, I don't I don't think I'm going to do that. Right, which, which is a crime, but it's here... Crime. It, here but, is just Congress. Right, so... um, And Zach, one of the things I, I was... I didn't know when I was reading this, and I was going to look it up. I said, well, I can just ask you. On debt ceiling votes, is it 50 plus? Is it 50 or is it 60? It is 60 votes. So the Democrats uh, need 10 votes right now to get it in. This is famous. You know, we'll get into this a little later. um, But this famously happened in 2011, 2013, uh, where deals were struck by the majority leader, Harry Reid, at the time in the Senate, who was like a very good politician. He was a former boxer, former pugilist. So he knew he knew when to take a couple rounds off and he knew when to throw his big punches. He was no Chuck, Chuck Schumer. Yeah, versus Chuck Schumer, who I think if somebody slapped him with a white glove, he would cry. <laughs> He's the wimpiest New Yorker. Yeah. yeah. Second. And I and I assume like we're in the throes of like a debt ceiling crisis now. Isn't that a big part of the fight? And this, this whole yeah, the, thing about the, getting... The debt limit is reached in like October, October twentieth. Right. It yeah, seems Oct- to be the last well, there, day. There's two. There's two dates for it. There's the date that the debt ceiling is lim- is is reached where the government officially shuts down because they have to. There are things that the debt ceiling pays for, like Social Security, Medicare, military bonds, things like that. And there's a day where that happens, and when that day hits, the government shuts down. We saw that in 2013 with a picture of the little kid at the fence mm-hmm. looking to get into the park. You know, that's a famous picture. And then there's a date about two weeks later where the Treasury hits their limit because the Treasury is simply allowed to move money around because that's just what they can do. And then that that day hits, and we have officially defaulted on all of our loans. And, and for, for people who think that this is like, you know, much ado about nothing. Moody's, who recently, by the way, lowered our credit rating because we're even talking about this, um, uh, issued a report this week that said it would cost six million jobs and add and uh, cost fifteen trillion dollars in wealth to America. None of which, I assume, will be paid by Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. No, the the people that pay the hardest when the debt limit is reached we, is seniors and, and veterans and, and seniors and veterans because all of a sudden the VA shuts down, all of a sudden Social Security benefits don't go out, down, all of a sudden Medicare bills can't get paid, and it's a disaster. And like this is a, I mean, we'll be this is a dry subject, but it is also an important subject because this also shows like the depravity of our politics at this moment, which we'll get into um, in a bit. But shows the depravity that there is basically one sh- one side of Congress kind of holding the country hostage, and this is the third time they've done it. And the problem is, we've already seen they'll shoot the hostage. Well, it's it's by my count, it was the uh, eighth time they've done it in the last twenty in the last twenty five years. 
three times it was done by the Democrats who immediately resolved it. And also they were over specific policy issues that they wanted addressed. Whereas this time McConnell hasn't said what he wants in return, right? He hasn't said anything. No, he's just said we're not voting for it. He said he, uh, he said he wants Afghanistan aid, but that's already in there, so it's kind of meaningless. Oh, which is more spending, by the way. And that is, you know, this the fights that we're seeing now are not new. They kind of started in the 80s with Reagan, where Reagan came into office and he made the famous thing about, like, tackling the national debt. That was his big thing, and he wanted to bring the national debt. He wanted to cut government spending. He wanted to put us on a stable footing. Now, none of that actually happened, despite what you hear in Republican and conservative dogma. Uh, instead, deficits like tripled and government spending went way, way, way up. And our, de- and our debt actually went up from $1 trillion to $3 trillion in a decade, which is hard. That's hard to do. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, George Will fam- famously said that the Republican agenda costs just as much as the Democratic agenda uh, at the time. The three presidents who have raised the debt the most in history, and it's not close, are Reagan, W, and Trump. And because it's just it, they, the the debts have exploded because they have huge. They have not only spending but huge tax cuts for the wealthy. I want to draw a line here to connect the 2013 fight, which I don't know, Andrew, if you remember, we were. Fresh out of college, we were young, young yeah. bucks. Second term Obama. <laughs> Second yeah. term Obama. The yeah. 2013 to, to the politics of today. In 2013, the, that was when the Tea Party uh, really kind of started asserting its power and its ascendance in the in, in in the Republican Party. The Tea Party, which is now known as the MAGA movement, they've just simply changed names. Mm. Um, it's the same people, just you know, a rose by any other name still has thorns. Mark Meadows is famously Mark, is a, a Tea Party leader. A tea party and he's a leader uh, in the MAGA a, movement. Yeah. And Ted Cruz shut down the government because he wanted the ACA essentially defunded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he basically said he wanted to kick it down the road, kick all these implementation dates in the road, which would have, of course, brought the whole thing to a screeching halt. You know, it was already kind of a mess at that point, but this would have really kind of killed it. And the Democrats gave in. Because the Democrats always gave in, and they gave in a more stringent income verification, which, of course, only hurts poor people and only hurts the people who actually need this program the most. But the Democrats agreed to it. And that also uh, was the first year we heard of sequestration, which was part of the 2011 shutdown, which was a 2% cut across the board in government spending, except the military. They were the only ones immune. So health care services, child care services— uh, nonprofit services, NGO services, all had to take a cut. The military was able to grow unabated. Let's draw a line to where we see today, which is the same fight. It's still the same guy leading the charge. It's still Ted Cruz and making his min- the big- and his minions. It's yeah. still Ted Cruz and his minions making the biggest think about it. But let's look at how the depravity of the politics came down. Is they held it out there for at least the policy. Now we disagree on the policy, but they held out for a change in policy. Right now they're hanging out. Because they don't want Joe Biden to raise the debt ceiling. And an important thing to note here is Donald Trump raised the debt ceiling three times. And it would have been more, except they, they agreed to eliminate the, these fights while, because of the, because, primarily because of COVID. They saw COVID coming because it, it was in Italy. Yeah. And, they, and they said, yeah, we're not going to have any debt ceiling fights. So it was three times, but it really would have been five, five. times or six yeah. times. I mean, it, because obviously there was a lot of... And, 
a lot of necessary spending around COVID. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's almost like they're not in good faith. They, <laughs> it's uh, almost like <laughs> yeah, they 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 weaponize it. It's 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 just military yay, social welfare nay. It's it is so like morally bankrupt and kind of just. It's just it's for political conveniency. It's it's weaponized, and they're gonna. I think they're gonna weaponize it. They weaponized it in elections back then. They're gonna weaponize it in the next midterms too. Um, yeah, and, and Andrew, you're exactly right about weaponizing it because like this is the party. These are the group of people that always say budget should be like your home budget. You know, the government budget should be like your household budget. Well, if this is the way anyone were in a household, I would lose my house. I would be bankrupt. I wouldn't have the ability to pay any of my bills because. Oh, I'm just simply not going to pay them? Right. Like, that's not the way this works. That's not the way the world works. And it's just, it's this, and the one point that should be made here is the debt limit is not a number that any economists came to. It is not a number that any academics came to. It is not a number that the experts came to. It is simply a number that Congress said, this is what we believe is politically acceptable. The most startling thing in like my research of this is that it is so fucking arbitrary. It's there's no seemingly like rhyme or reason to, you know what? I don't know. And and one way this is different is as you said, they talked about sequestering, two, uh, sequestration, two percent cuts across the board. They talked about you know military spending. Well, the Democrats, to their disgrace, gave the Pentagon more money than they asked for to yep. avoid this. But the, we we keep acting as though we are acting with rational people. And it's not about rational. Like, there's no rationality here. The only rationality is if you lose, that means we win and we'll be happy. So we need to make you lose even if that destroys the country. Yeah, it's a, zero, it's a zero-sum game with the most important part of our economy, which is our credit limit. Because the only way we're able to raise the debt limit so much is because we get credit our credit rating is triple a which for those who don't know triple a credit rating is essentially the same as having an 800 personal credit rating it is the highest it's the best you can get but we got downgraded and the more we get downgraded the more expensive it is to borrow it's like try, it's like going and trying to buy a four thousand dollar car with a 13 percent interest rate you're never paying that car off right. and that's what is happening when the republicans do this and when the conservatives do this is they make our interest rates go up as someone who, when you were young, um, dealt with debt ceiling a lot, you know, when you make the minimum credit card payments, what you're leaving is debt. Is debt like that's what you're leaving to your children? Debt because you're not you can't pay it off at the minimum. And this is the whole thing is is a is a kind of reverse Ponzi scam. So Zach, you talked about the whole debt ceiling, the history of it. When did this actually start being a thing? Because like I don't see it in the constitution it is not in the constitution nor is it in the bible which is why we're it's weird that republicans <laughs> are so obsessed with it and, and, you know, no, jesus, no. jesus did not come down and no. say no one pay their debts and, and it's not in the nra bylaws it's not the nra bylaws either well no jesus came down and said i'll pay all of your debts." yeah exactly they did the opposite uh somewhere along the line josh hawley and the evangelicals forgot that uh but basically this started in 1917 as a reaction uh from immigrants to World War One, a lot of Irish Americans and a lot of German Americans didn't want us involved in World War One. So instead, uh, the way we basically satisfied them was that we installed this debt limit, 
as a way to kind of be allow us to go to war, but not allow us to go to. This was when we went to war and we actually paid for it versus what we have done recently with Afghanistan and Iraq, where we go to war and we simply don't pay for it. And then we're just at war and we put it on our credit card. The first debt limit ceiling was $1 billion. And that kind of, that alarmed fiscal conservatives. $1 billion, which is twice as much as the government spent the year prior, which shows how how little the government did for people in this country in 1917, that it was almost non-existent. And then it moved on. And it really, you know, I talked about Reagan a little bit, but it really, really became to the forefront of a political issue uh, with Newt Gingrich in 96, 94. It starts in 95, I think. 95, 95, 96 is what it's, and it's not resolved. And Gingrich but. basically makes it a fight that we are not going to raise the debt limit. We have to get our debt under control, which, by the way, they never said under Reagan and they never said under Bush one. But they said it under Clinton, which which is a pattern which we will see followed throughout the debt limit fights, is every time there's a Democratic president, Republicans care deeply about the deficit and the debt. When there's a Republican president, they kind of don't give a shit how much they spend. Well, not only- Or how much their tax cuts cost. Well, because the tax, it's the tax cuts, it's the Bush and then Trump tax cuts that have been just devastating that, that the debt has gone up higher than the rate of spending because we just stopped taxing rich people. Yeah, yeah but, that's it. They don't like it. We cut the tax rate under Reagan from like 68% to 35% on the top earners. Right. That That's going to explode your deficit. That is like that is essentially like saying, I left my $100,000 a year job to take a $60,000 a year job, but I'm not going to change my way of living at all. I understand that. Think about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In- I, as someone who's done that, I understand that, yeah. The nice use of numbers. Yeah. <laughs> And in like the last four years of Trump, and Ed, you said like you know we raised that ceiling three times under Trump, and you never hear it uh, reported really that spending, spending, spending. And here we are now. What are we like nine, ten months into yeah, Biden? Uh, and it's like this, we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to get into it. Let, at let's the get end. let's get let's roll the the media. Let's get into the, let's get into the media now because that is a, I, that is a perfect transition because the way it is is that when it is a tax cut. Which tax cuts increase the deficit. And let's just define terms here. The deficit is the amount of money the government loses every year. Debt is the cumulative number. Um, tax cuts explode deficits because all of a sudden you're not getting in revenue. It's going from a $100,000 a year job to a $60,000 a year job. You just don't have that revenue anymore. And the media covers tax cuts as if they're good and proper and the best things that can happen to this economy because they're still stuck in the trickle-down economics in the 80s because a lot of reporters are 50 versus spending, which Democrats do, which is also increases the debt, but they pay for it. So when they when you spend on things like health care, it's viewed as a bad thing. But when you give tax cuts to billionaires, that's viewed as a good thing, and that's the way the media covers well, it. Well, every new spending is brought up, well, how are you going to pay for it? But every tax cut it's is never. not covered by, well, what are you going to cut for it? Like, what are you cutting? Because if you had to do it the other way, if you had to explain the cuts that $2.5 trillion means, they would never sign on to that. Here's an article from the Washington Post. Jeff Bezos' Washington Post. But actually, I do believe the best newspaper in the country. Because the New York Times it, just, it's, yeah. The New York Times just sucks. New York Post? D- David... Yeah, post? the New York Post. No, the no. National. Okay, the National. Uh, the the uh, Washington Examiner, actually. Yeah, oh, yeah. Jeez. Lawmakers in both parties agree 
that the debt ceiling must be raised to avoid economic calamity, but their standoff over how to do so has intensified. Despite the national debt increase by close to $8 trillion under President Trump, Republicans have been adamant that they will refuse to help Democrats increase the debt ceiling in opposition to President Biden's spending plans. You know what? Then they don't fucking agree. They don't agree on it. Because they under when the $8 trillion cuts came through, they didn't care. But now they do care, and yet it's viewed as lawmakers in both parties agree. Find the Republican who has said yeah. This, Mitt Romney hasn't said it. Susan Collins hasn't said it. All Lisa these, Murkowski hasn't Lisa said Murkowski it. Lisa Murkowski hasn't Where's said Chuck it. Where's Chuck Grassley? Uh, sleeping. Uh, <laughs> um, the the uh, Kircher hasn't said it. Nobody said it. All these heroes, it's like, oh, yeah, taxes. Nah, I'm never going to sign on for that. And that's the coverage. And I will even go farther because this thing set me off. In an article by Josh Green... In Bloomberg Business Week, mm-hmm. I do not subscribe to Bloomberg Business Week. The only magazine I subscribe to is Sports Illustrated. <laughs> <laughs> but they point out that it says, he points out the things that the Democrats could have done. Democrats could have insisted on eliminating the debt ceiling as a condition of supporting Trump's COVID bill as opposed to not, just not suspending it. Or they could have employed some creative ingenuity and used reconciliation bill to raise the debt limit. He even points out they could have created a trillion dollar coin and then paid themselves with it. But yeah, but which, by the way, is not the first time that has been uh, proposed. In 2013, that was a proposal is a trillion dollar coin to pay for it. The same way, like Mr. Bird, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bird steals steals a billion dollar billion dollar bill that was meant for Cuba. But you know, and he said, you know, and while both parties engage in debt limit brinkmanship, them's usually fare worse because they place a higher volume on spending and are less willing to court disaster. And I read that sentence, and I thought, like, oh, this is exactly the way last year in the Jets game versus the Raiders when they went to cover zero on the on the Hail Mary was covered, except this isn't a Jets game week 13. This is 6 million jobs and $15 trillion in wealth, and it's covered the same way. And the thing that really goddamn sets me off is this is Bloomberg business. You know what Democrat who ran for president didn't say shit about any of this? Mike, Mike Bloomberg. So, Josh Green, why don't you criticize your boss, who is supposed to be this economic moderate, for having no fucking ideas in the debate? I saw those debates. He sat there and talked about the zoo or something. I don't like. Uh, he, he sat there and got <laughs> beat up by Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. It's like you have all of these great ideas. Like, I wonder... Oh, was there a Democrat running for president who has the financial ingenuity to do this? Well, no, but Mike Bloomberg is hiring someone who's criticizing the Democrats for being too concerned about avoiding disaster. No, and, and, and this is something I wanted to ask Andrew about because, Andrew, you know, this is something we talked about off 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 air that this is an area where you're kind of like a little out of your element for sure you know the same way i was with the writer cup last week where i'm like <laughs> i don't fucking know who's sevi ballesteros he did what in what year when you were researching this reading these articles in the media like what was your thoughts because you're coming into this like much colder than say like my dad and i are what were like reading these articles were you did you get it did you feel like the articles gave you a better understanding of what was at stake 
yes and no. There was a quote that I wrote down from an article that I have in front of me now that I want to read. And it's from McConnell this week. And McConnell said, if Democrats want to tax, borrow, and spend historic sums of money without our input, they'll have to raise the debt limit without our help. And that, to me, the whole debt ceiling thing, my, my takeaway from everything was that it's just, the game is the game. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a piece of the puzzle in, the, in electoral politics. And, it, and again, to, Ed, to Ed's point, and to your point too, that but the stakes are so high for, again, 6 million jobs, 15 trillion in debt. It's, it's not a game. It's yeah. It's like watching. It's like watching Entourage. The way these politicians the, talk about it, and the way the media talks about it, is a fucking disgrace. We, we did it's, a long time ago. We did a show. I want to get the Entourage reference, by the way, because yeah. that's that's my yeah. show. <laughs> After it was fun. Um, the stakes were the, the stakes were super low in Entourage. <laughs> Very low compared to like making a murderer. Where you're like, did this guy murder right, somebody? Right, right. But many months ago, we did a show about how. The damage done to politics because it's covered by sport, like sports, that it's a lot of, that it's not the intersection, it's the overlay, as though they're the same thing, and they're not. They're not the same things. There are real victims. You know, I mean, I know you guys like feel like you're victims because you're Jets fans, <laughs> but realistically, you choose to be Jet fans all the time. Like you just year after year, you say, "Yeah, I can still root for the Jets because it's because it's it's part of what you want to do." If you are a veteran, depending on the VA, you are not making any choices. You made a choice a long time ago to believe in this country, and every time there's a Democratic president, the Republican Senate just fucks you because they they're using you and they're saying to the Democrats, "You know what?" You won't risk them, and we will. And the and the Republicans are better at this politically because they're backed up by the media coverage of it. That it, it is why the vast majority of military veterans routinely vote Republican, even though they are the ones that have taken money out of their hands the most. They are the ones that have taken food out of their mouths the most. They are the ones that have taken health care out of their bodies the most because of this bullshit fight that we have every four or five years but the Republicans are so politically good at this because it's it's the fight of tax cuts, good spending, bad, and the media backs that up a hundred percent of the time. Partially because they're all paid by corporations run by people like Jeff Bezos, and that's part of it. Or or uh, the guy who owns the Chicago Tribune, uh, what the Ritter? Oh, oh, what's his name? Oh, Ricketts. 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 Yeah, like Ricketts. Ricketts. Yeah. A man who was named after and oh, is oh, a, the Cubs too, right? Right. Yeah, a man who was named after and is a disease. But um, <laughs> small bones, right? Real like real fragile bones, like this. Ricketts is bird right. bones. Yeah, you need yeah. vitamins. Was it? Uh, you need either vitamin C or onions. One of them is salt by onion. Like scurvy and Ricketts were the big problems for sailors. One was solved by by citrus, and one was solved by onions. But, um, and I can never remember which. Scurvy yeah. was onions. Onions are good. I like onions. Raw or caramelized. Well, or... luckily, oh, we, luckily Ed's we looking have... at me. All I know is that you keep vampires away with garlic. Ooh. Garlic's the only delicious. One I yeah, too, yeah, yeah, you looked at Brandon like the Navy told him how to beat Ricketts. <laughs> I, I, I you're, not, you're, like, you're born with Ricketts, I think. It's not something By the way, acquire. the reason the English were called limeys is because they put lime. In their grog, and the French did not. 
because they did not think they didn't think that's the way grog should be drunk. It was the first corona. And because of that, <laughs> the French suffered from I think it was scurvy way more than the English did. And that's so this insult is actually based on a on a place of knowledge. I'm gonna bring up I'm gonna bring this up at my next um uh Racial sensitivity training. <laughs> I'm, I, 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 I object there. to how the Gauls are treated. <laughs> but, but it is, it is. The Gauls. It is. It's, um, it, is it, 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 it is a bit, it is a bit ridiculous that to understand the debt ceiling, you need like a bachelor's level education. And like to really understand it, like. To really be able to follow it, you need like a doctorate level education. Because there are things about it that I look at, I'm like, what the fuck is this talking about? And I work in this business. Um, and the fact that the media has not figured out how to distill this very important topic down into something that is digestible is, I think, a failure on all of their parts. Like you you look at the financials, the financial sector, the financial covers, you know, CNBC, Bloomberg Media. That they can't explain this to us. They can't explain it to us. Or don't want to. Yeah, or don't want to. They probably can, don't want to. Cynically, they don't want to. Well, because if they lose all if they yeah. lose all the Republican advertisers, then they go out of business. Exactly. Heaven forbid Mike Lindell doesn't. I mean I mean I mean, let's be fair. Like we work in labor. We deal with some people much differently than we would if we could just say whatever the hell we wanted, because because we don't want them to drop. Like sometimes you just you're just kind of tied into your own self interest, but then don't pretend you're the fourth estate. You're not the fourth estate. You're a goddamn business. I hate to belabor this kind of like dumb metaphor, but it it just jumped off the page. The idea that like in the political game of chess, you know, as the debt ceiling as pawn, one side, the Republican side has played that pawn so much more effectively to their benefit than the Democratic side, and they've done it like we've said with the aid of how it's represented in the media, in the papers, on cable on cable news, everywhere. You know, that was my biggest takeaway from all of this. You know, and, and yesterday uh, I was reading that Mitch McConnell said that if the Dems get the hold get a hold of the Senate in twenty twenty two, he will not he will not uh, put forth any Supreme Court justices. <laughs> when you have one and this is why I get so upset with progressives you know, we've had this argument. Yes, it is incredibly easy to get angry at the Democratic Party for the lack of courage, for the lack of everything. But when you have one party that says, we don't believe in government, and then we have a media that says, we're going to treat the two like they're equal because we don't want to seem partisan, then you don't even know what to talk about. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's like... It, it, we see this similar with, similarly with the Vax argument, that they, right. they, presi- they, pre- they, pre- uh, they put forward both sides that they're equal, and in reality, they're... Not they're they're they couldn't be more different and they're and they shouldn't be treated as such. You know, one of the things that I wish the, that our media was much more like was your fifth grade principal when you got in a fight with this kid named Eddie. I won't say his last name. He's a listener. He's not. And he might uh, be. <laughs> and Eddie was in fifth grade. He had a mustache. He had a mustache. He was six foot one eighty, and he was bullying you. And you, I gave the advice that ultimately you have to hit him. Like, you can't just be bullied. And so you hit him. And this principal never said to me, when she called me, she never said, 
you know, what was Zach doing to him that provoked this? Because the answer was nothing. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't trying to provoke somebody to beat the shit out of you. And yet the media always is saying there was a fight and mistakes were made on both. Both sides had their own opinions about what was going on. And that ain't the way it works. So with that cheerful anecdote, we will see you next week on the Bill Bradley Collective. Thank you for joining us on the Bill Bradley Collective. If you enjoyed today's episode, please smash that subscribe button and follow us on Facebook at the Bill Bradley Collective. We'll see you all again next week.